Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. A busy, busy week. We all said it was going to be a week slate. And look at that. Look at that. We did. A lot of really entertaining games. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a fun week of football overall. Uh, I do think it was kind of a muted week for like big performances overall. Like, I wonder if the average fantasy score for like a startable player was lower than average like the we we, we pulled the top performers every week like yes Kate on Salter had a really nice week there were a handful of other quarterbacks that were pretty good but wasn't a great week overall the best running back scored 35 points uh the best tight end wasn't actually a tight end it's like a wide receiver from Colorado we're going to talk about a little bit that actually has tight end eligibility as well I mean it was it was a really really weird week for big performances in college fantasy it was it was unless you said um Caden Salter uh, would have a big performance. Then in that case, you would have been 100% correct. Uh, but yeah, overall, um, pretty, pretty weird week. For, was for it a weird guys. weather week? It was supposed to be on the East Coast, but a lot of games was, that we yeah. thought were going to be impacted didn't end up being impacted. Like Florida State, that game yeah. didn't, didn't yeah. really end up uh, being too rainy. Yeah, that one didn't end up being as as bad weather-wise as what we were expecting. Um, but... That didn't make that game less interesting. That was a nail biter. That was a great game. That was a great game. And that's actually not one of the games that we have on the sheet here to talk about. At least uh, directly. We have we Mm -hmm. have some tangential uh, discussion here. Um, Let's let's get right into the show here because we do have a lot to cover. I want to try to get a couple of interesting discussions in here, I think, to help you guys uh, start thinking about moves and how you want to proceed with your rosters moving forward. Uh, but a little bit of housekeeping before we do that, guys. Just make sure you're checking out everything over at campusdecanton.com. Um, make sure you're checking out the tailgate. We've had really good viewership uh, every week so far. Um, just keep checking it out. It's on the YouTube page every Saturday morning, 10 to 12 Eastern, before the games kick off. Always a really good crew on there. Um, so we, we talk you know, betting, start sets, storylines for the day, all sorts of good stuff. Um, if you're tired of listening to um, uh, Pat McAfee, uh, who, who doesn't know what he's talking about, um, then uh, come and listen to us because I guarantee we'll we'll win you a little bit of money for sure. We'll win you some um, money. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. And I think we're equally as entertaining. Yeah, I would uh, I would concur there. Uh, other podcast guys, we just have a ton going on right now. Pretty much any itch that you have we can scratch it with the show we've got a dfs show campus caching that comes out later in the week we've got uh the official still going on it's highlighting all the high school performances so you can kind of figure out what you want to do with those supplemental picks for next year um uh, the nil feed has a bunch of different uh you know strategy it's got a map a show by matt waldman on it he's talking prospects every week uh really good stuff over there so uh moral of the story if you aren't checking out everything that we have to offer um you should be doing so and if if there is something that you think that we do not have that you think you want, message us first. Mm-hmm. Because I can almost guarantee we had somebody cancel a membership today who said that we don't have waiver information. Guys, we write two full articles every week on waivers. I don't know what this person is looking CFF at, but we're happy to direct you to the correct spot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if there's something you think we don't have, we probably do. Let us know. Um, or and if we don't... If- Yep. We'll probably try to get it by next season. It's probably yeah. a little late now, although sometimes yeah. we'll stay stuff in the, the chat and Jarek whips up a tool in like 30 minutes. So never say never, but mm-hmm. we probably have whatever you're looking for, quite frankly. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a ton of content out there. I would challenge anybody to find a fantasy site that offers more content across the board, whether it's tools, rankings, articles, uh, just, just everything across the board. And if we don't, you know, we're always happy to hear from you guys and hear, you know, what we can have better, what we can improve, what we can add, and that would make it more valuable for you guys. Um, so please always feel free to reach out. Email at campus2canton at gmail.com. Um, you can DM myself at C2C Decker. You can DM Austin at Debbie Dietz. You can DM our main account at Campus2Canton, all on Twitter. If you're in the Discord, always feel free to just ask in there or DM me. Um, always, always, always happy to answer questions and help. Yeah, DMs are big. If you just uh, tag me on Twitter in some sort of question tweet, the odds of me answering it are extremely slim. Just so Yeah, you know. I just... Um, <laughs> not the appropriate channels, folks. Not yeah, I, I don't channels. always see those. Um, I do usually see DMs because um, I have notifications on for DMs, but I don't always see notifications if you tag me in a tweet. If I do, I'll try to answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that, that's it there. Let's uh, get into week three in review. And I want to start off again... Actually, I don't know if we've, we've talked too much about Colorado on this show overall. I think we've tried to keep it a medium amount because yeah. everyone else is just beating that horse to death. Yeah. Um, but I actually don't want to talk about Colorado. I actually don't care about Colorado in this scenario at all. Great game. Mm -hmm. I actually stayed up until about 2 o'clock a.m. after a wedding in the lobby with another wedding goer. And we watched oh, this game nice. together. That's uh, fun. Got Taco Bell. We, we hung out and we made, made a new friend. It was a, it was a good time there. That's fun. Um, but the Colorado State offense, I think, seems like it might uh, finally be off life support. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I mean, they scored, well, they scored in this one, 35 points. I know it went to overtime, uh, but still scored 28 in regulation and looked really effective moving the ball. A lot of big statistical performances out of the group. They threw the ball almost 50 times. That's what we have been expecting to see out of this offense. Um, they've replaced their quarterback with this new kid, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, uh, 34 for 47, 367 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, he's a little bit of a gunslinger, but I think Jay Norvell kind of likes that. Uh, he spread the ball around. If we're looking at, uh, receiving performances in this one, um, uh, Torrey Horton had 16 catches. Lewis Brown was a name that I was not super familiar with. Had 10 for 131. Dallin Holker had over hundred yards receiving. Um, really justice Ross Simmons was the only, uh, kind of disappointing performance on the day, but that seems like something that might change on a week-to-week -week basis. They ran the ball, like, not completely ineffectively, sp split between different backs. I mean, overall, this was a much different offense than what we've seen so uh, recently, and I think I'm now kind of back in on what this group offers, uh, really especially Horton and, and I think maybe Holker for, the, for being a tight end. Yeah, I think that Horton owners can breathe a, a sigh of relief here with um, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi taking over and looking pretty good. Uh, he looked pretty good at the end of um, week two last week when he took over uh, and looked good as well in this one. So like you said, I think the offense is off life support. I think it's in a place where it will be uh, good again, moving forward. And so you fire up your Horton shares like you normally would. And then, yeah, I think Dallin Holker is, is a big uh, takeaway in this one. He seems to have really good chemistry with Fowler Nicolosi. So 
I think he is a guy that, you know, we not to spoil the show sheet, we might have a topic coming up and he may be a name that I think is uh, is is warranted in that conversation. But I think he's going to be a, a solid tight end moving forward. We liked him last year heading into the year at BYU, did some good things. Uh, and then I think we like him at, uh, at Colorado State here as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess this means that 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 what's his name? I've even wiped his name from my my brain here. Uh, it's just totally toast. Um, Clay Millen. Yes, like yeah. how bad is Clay Millen? Apparently, just like yeah. might be the worst player I've ever hyped. Could be, could be. I I don't know. Um, just just terrible. But yeah, this this Fowler Nicolosi kid, I think, is really really interesting to me. Uh, overall, yeah, he made some mistakes, and even some of the passes that weren't like he he threw a couple passes that were like. That you probably shouldn't have thrown that like double triple coverage, but like the accuracy was perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. quite frankly, that Holker touchdown pass was ridiculously placed. Like there was there was legitimately no chance the defender could get it without just totally going through Holker, um, and and kind of allowed Holker to run into space. I'm I'm really interested. I think if I'm in a, a league where maybe I've had some quarterback issues early in the year here, I know we've had. Uh, a fair amount of injuries to quarterbacks, uh, quite frankly. I know I have a team yeah. that was in trouble after last week that has no waivers. I was down Jalen Milrow. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. He has his job back. Uh, Michael Pratt. Um, I had um, um, uh, Cameron Rising. Like There there are some quarterbacks that are out. You might uh, some, some people might. John Reese Plumley's out. Um, so uh, definitely not a bad guy to have as you know, maybe a, a, an emergency kind of fourth, fifth, sixth quarterback uh, at this juncture of the season. Um, and really, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of Lewis Brown. Do you, I, I this is a guy, again, I'm, I'm not super familiar with this player overall. Um, I, I mean, even watching the game, like I'm not, I'm not really sure what kind of player he is. Like he kind of seems like a little bit of an all around or like, he's not super huge. He didn't seem like he was like a burner downfield, like maybe a guy that can do a little of everything. I, I think that's interesting, but so is Ross Simmons and so is Horton. So, um, could just be, a uh, uh, an interesting group overall there rest of the season. Yeah, I think the the most appealing thing for me for um, Justice Ross Simmons and Luis Brown is next year uh, with Fowler Nicolosi being a freshman. Um, he's got plenty of eligibility left. And, uh, you know, assuming Tory Horton, it, Tory Horton will be gone at the end of this year. He's getting, I think, legitimate NFL buzz. And uh, I think he'll, uh, we can talk about his, draft prospects at another time, but I think they're pretty solid. So I think he's gone. So who's going to be the guy next year? I don't know if it's going to be Ross Simmons or Luis Brown. I think that's a guy to keep an eye on moving forward, but justice Ross Simmons is probably owned in your league. Maybe he's available somewhere depending on the shallowness of the waivers. Yeah. But I would be surprised if Luis Brown was owned somewhere. Uh, I think there's one league I have where he was owned heading into this game. So, we can talk about it in the waiver wire section, but I think he is a really interesting name. I don't know how much I trust him moving forward. I want to see it another week, but uh, definitely an encouraging performance. You mentioned um, uh, kind of, you know, what what the, the future offers for Tory Horton there. And you mm-hmm. said, you know, it, it's it's tough to say. I actually probably at this point in the season, outside of like, who should I start or like, is this a good trade? I think the question that I get the most from people is um, like we call a lot of these guys like quote unquote CFF only. I think we're a little liberal with that word in the sense that yeah. like 
there are so many players that go through college football that are in like a, like the non-obvious NFL tier that could be NFL guys in the future. And I, I like it's it's a huge tier of players because really the obvious tier are guys that I think are first, second, third, even fourth round draft picks. But some of these guys still sneak up in there. I mean, I think if you had said at the beginning of last year that Rasheed Rice, Tank Dell were going to be day two re- wide receivers, Jonathan I think Mingo. we would have. Yeah, Mingo is a good one. I think we would have laughed. Um, there are, are countless examples in the past. I mean, Sky Moore, uh, I don't think would have fit in there. I think when I'm approaching those guys, though, I think that's like if you're thinking about it, I think that's the wrong question. Mm-hmm. I think the right question is just what can this guy do for me for CFF? Over the next one, two, three, yeah, it's pretty rare you're buying a guy with four four years left, unless it's Frank Harris who has seven years left. <laughs> um, I, I think that the, you basically just buy them off of what their CFF potential is. And if something comes of it later, that's really cool. But I don't think anybody can accurately project that into these players, especially some of these guys that are like, like I have had multiple people DM me and say, is Pafeli Ashlock a future NFL wide receiver? We've watched three Hawaii games. Yeah. He's a redshirt freshman. I would love to say that I've I've d- deep dove the Hawaii offense, like specifically outside of knowing <laughs> what they're running and how the guys are lining up. But there's 133 FBS teams. I ain't got time to sit down and watch them that in depth after the fact every single week because you can't watch a live game like that. You have to go back and do it after the fact and watch it, you know, a bunch of different times. So. I think the moral of the story is like, we don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I think for a lot of these guys asking is it's really premature and that's okay. It's fun to, to ask and wonder and hope that maybe these guys turn into something else. But I think really that's the wrong question. I think the right, the right question is just what's the immediate value. And then if I get late value later, that's really, really cool. But that's why for a lot of these guys, unless my team's bad, I'm fine with them quote unquote retiring on my college roster running out of eligibility, heading to the NFL. Because you never know how some of these guys... I found a random Puka Nasua on a taxi squad this week. <laughs> I mean, these guys just will pop up uh, occasionally, and then they have value moving forward, especially at the running back position. That's kind of one that um, I, I think pops up a little more often. So that that's just kind of a, a point that I wanted to make on that. Because I do get that question a lot this time of year. And you can still DM it to me. I'm probably going to tell you the same exact thing that I just said. It's too. It's It's tough to say... I can't definitively say no buy based on CFF value, which generally if you're buying a Tory Horton is like a second round supplemental pick probably for the, for the next year, depending on where it's going to fall. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a high end CFF producer retire on your roster. Now you don't want a guy who is not really a high end CFF producer and doesn't really have much of an NFL future you know they they might be like a mid-tier starter like a flex worthy option but that's not somebody you go out and buy but as long as they're providing value to your roster in some way uh like high-end value to your roster in some way like a tory horton or even you know a pafeli ashlock i don't think it matters as much if they have the nfl future but nf the college production does have a correlation to nfl draft capital and NFL future. And that's not maybe a super strong one, but it is there. Um, so sometimes you can fall into guys like Tank Dell, Rasheed Rice, guys that we were just talking about there um, that have big college careers and then end up getting drafted in the NFL. And then at that point, 
you know, once you're in that process, you can kind of make your decision at that point. Do I think this person is going to be fantasy relevant for me at the NFL level? Um, you know, at that point when they're declaring, we have enough data points that we can make a pretty informed decision. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots of road left for a lot of these guys. So moral of the story, uh, wheels up. If you were, I actually think I have one league where my team was, uh, it's pretty good that has Tory Horton that I sat him this week. Obviously, maybe not the smartest mm -hmm. decision in the world, um, especially with how Colorado's played defense, but I just thought this game potentially would get really out of hand really, really quickly, and it wouldn't uh, really matter. But I, I like the the cut, of, the cut of this new quarterback's jib here. He's got a nice uh, this, jib. This Nicolosi, Nicolosi guy. I can't even remember. Fowler. <laughs> down here, but can never remember off the top of my head. All right. Um, I want to talk uh, next here about uh, mobile quarterbacks and some guys that have kind of come out of the woodwork here in the past week or two and looked interesting for us moving forward. And I don't want to bring up names that we've talked about either on this show or, uh, for instance, in the key takeaways article that I write. And then I do a, an accompanying podcast for NIL only members. But the, the, the article itself is for any member at campusdecan.com. It's on the website. You can read it goes through uh, four or five, like a, the topics are the same every week. It's like weekly target leaders, uh, weekly uh, freshman snap counts, um, injuries to monitor, uh, offenses that ran the most plays and pace of play, things like that. I, I just run through every week to kind of give an idea of, of what's going on. Um, but I think every week I've managed to talk about Keon Jenkins so far, the FIU <laughs> quarterback. We're not going to talk about him here tonight. I'm a really big fan. Are, are you a really big fan of him, Colin? I wouldn't say really big fan, but I'm definitely interested. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a single FIU game, so I've just been kind of box score scouting those a little bit, but definitely intriguing. And, you know, when anytime a true freshman starts to have these types of performances, as they are going to be heading into conference play in the G5, where it's going to be pretty weak, you can probably expect those moving forward. And maybe he, you know, has a freshman lapse game in here every now and then. Uh, but I think moving forward, you can expect this same level of production and then hopefully some improvement as well. So I don't have a strong take on his actual skills and performance, but just box score scouting. It's definitely encouraging. Yeah, true freshman. And the nice part is because him and Chris Mitchell play for FIU, people kind of discounted them the first couple of weeks. So they were like 350 honestly, yeah. uh, on waivers, which is great. Um, so we're not going to talk about him, but there are some other guys I want to talk about. And I want to start the discussion with Thomas Castellanos, who's at Boston College, started his career at UCF, uh, a really interesting player. So I want to give some background on kind of my introduction to Thomas Castellanos and kind of how we've watched this go over the past couple of years. Um, was a true freshman last year at UCF. I got a DM from an NIL member of ours. Um, who uh, is down from the Georgia, is, it lives in the Georgia area, it goes to a lot of uh, high-end kind of Georgia um, high school football games. He DM'd me and he said, hey, have you watched this Thomas Castellanos kid? And I said, uh, no, honestly, not really familiar with the name. He wasn't a, a super highly uh, recruited kid. So he, he he gave me some of his thoughts. He said, you know, go go watch him. What do you think? As a person who I, we, we talk all the time, I think he, he generally, I, I agree with him quite often. So I went and watched him and I was like, wow man like this this dude's crazy athletic but he has like legitimately no idea how to play quarterback at all <laughs> and he goes yeah uh literally the only school that wants him as a quarterback is ucf 
which tells you all you need to know because Gus Malzahn like loves these guys that like legitimately are just not quarterbacks at all. Yeah. And he really wants to shoehorn them in there. So I was like, okay, this guy's going to go there for a year or two. It's not going to work out. He's probably going to switch to wide receiver. Um, but when our recruiting team was kind of discussing him, Felix fell in love with him. Yeah. Felix pounded the table for him. And I don't think any of us hated him, but I think a lot of us were kind of skeptical, you know, fantasy upside. Yeah. Potentially maybe um, probably not NFL draft upside. And there still isn't any for the record. Uh, it's not, a, not as of today. <laughs> Um, but Felix banged the table for him and he's turned out at least it looks like to be correct in terms of, uh, long-term fantasy upside for, for CFF, um, almost had Boston college, uh, or almost had Florida state on the ropes, uh, this Did have Florida state on the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost was, knocked him out. It was like such a tight game and then it ex- ballooned to like, you know, almost three scores and then it got real close again at the end. It was a really fun game to watch. Ended up completing 60% of his passes in this one. One touchdown, one interception, had 305 yards total passing, um, which is really encouraging because we didn't think he could do a lot of that. And then he ran for over 100 yards as well. The past two weeks, he's run for 74 and 66 yards. Um, He's really not making a ton of costly mistakes. Again, Florida State really the only um, difficult team, I, I would say, that he's he's played so far, but he, but he only had one turnover worthy play according to PFF, which means he might've had two or three really uh, the two weeks before that. I mean, I think this is becoming a guy that's really interesting. I think he's available on a lot of waiver wires. So that's kind of what, why I want to talk to him about him here. I think as a guy that has a lot of eligibility left, you know, Boston college as a landing spot, but I mean, this is a guy that can, that can kind of create some magic out of nothing. And honestly, even if the system at Boston college, isn't like anything to write home about, there's so sorry, Boston college fans, so little offensive skill talent around him (laughs) that he has to, they're going to rely on him to do kind of everything, which is great again for fantasy for us. Yeah. I mean, I think great for fantasy Castellanos and he's a guy that I had on one or two rosters still uh, after he transferred to Boston college, just because I hadn't gotten around to cutting him yet. And I'm glad I didn't. Um, you know, because it, we always knew that fantasy potential was there, like you said. And now we're actually starting to see it at a place that is very starved for fantasy assets like Boston College is. Um, and it's an ACC schedule, so it's not the toughest defenses. And Florida State is probably one of the toughest that he played, and he looked pretty good. So as he continues to kind of settle into the quarterback position, I think they can just kind of continue to improve on those, but he's going to give you a pretty high weekly floor just given his rushing ability. Now, receiving options, Ryan O'Keefe is somebody that I was pretty high on coming into this year relative to consensus. I don't think I trust Ryan Keefe moving forward. Uh, you know, Emmett Moorhead is was not good, obviously, as he got benched. And I still am not quite there with Cassianos as a passer where I think he could actually support a fantasy relevant option he kind of spreads it around a little bit um so it's really just castellanos in those legs but their upside is there for more like you said well it was interesting because he he had a couple of targets that, i mean o'keefe got seven targets in this game which i actually didn't remember watching it like if you here was the target distribution of uh relevant guys i think for right now and if i, I wouldn't have guessed this was uh this was the case um joseph griffin got the most targets with eight and i think that that, that he, he threw to him quite a bit ryan o'keefe actually had seven and turned that into six catches for 64 yards lewis bond only had four targets 
and three catches for 80 yards. It felt like he was just running into open field with the ball in his hands every drive. So that is really surprising to me. Maybe there was one that got called back or something. Like that feels so low to me. Uh, then Takis had four targets, but only had one catch. Uh, and after that, you know, the running backs, uh, Mike Tomlin's kid. Um, so, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's going to be foolhardy to try to rely on one guy. But I think it felt to me watching it like Griffin and Bond were kind of the guys that he really liked. And O'Keefe was kind of a third option for him, if, or at least within this offense for him. Yeah. And honestly, I, I thought that. You know, like I said, my, my, my love for O'Keefe was kind of centered around Moorhead being the starting quarterback. And now that he's not, uh, I, I I could see it being Bond and Griffin. Like you said, it seems like he was kind of looking for them a little more than O'Keefe. Uh, so I will definitely hand up back off of the uh, uh, Ryan O'Keefe love here. Because Bond, I, mean, I think, it, forms a similar role. It, or at least it wasn't like an expensive acquisition no. this off season, you know, no. it's not like you burned your third round draft pick in every league on Ryan. O'Keefe yeah. And it's not yeah. going to work out. So yeah, you know, that's true. the kind of shot that you like cost acquisition. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Z on Chris, the next guy here that I think, um, I, I want to say come out of nowhere, but quite frankly, I have heard of this player before listening to the burning the red shirt podcast this summer when our own Chris Moxley went on, and previewed the Raging Cajuns for them and was basically, they were like, this offense is so bad. Like, we don't care about any of this. And Chris went, nah, not so fast. They've got this young second-year quarterback on the roster who's a legitimate track star, like a legit track star. Um, probably not a very good quarterback and probably not a very good team, but this is a guy that you really need to watch. And lo and behold, uh, Woodbridge or Woolbridge or whatever it is went down with an injury this week. Chris steps in. Four carries for 107 yards and two touchdowns uh, leads them to victory uh, as a passer 14 for 20. I think they kind of simplified the offense from when I watched of it. I'd be lying if I said I watched this whole game uh, again, mistake free kind of stuff here. I think this is a really interesting one because he's definitely going to elevate this offense to a place that I don't think any of us thought it could go this year. So I think Chris is another guy that you can probably get for very cheap on waivers this week. Uh, sneak him in there, dollar, two dollar, five dollar, whatever bid, um, and could be a really nice quarterback. Even if he's kind of like a a bye week filling guy for the next few years for you, or, or matchup based guy, I think he's really, really interesting. Yeah, I think he's really interesting. I don't know about elevating the offense as a whole to another level because I think it's really just gonna be the Zion Chris show. Um, but he had that eighty yard touchdown run and. You know, like that's the type of thing that he can do. So he said he is a legitimate track star. You also said may not be a, a very good quarterback. And, and I would agree with that at this point. There's not really any weapons on that offense to help him out either. So this is probably still not going to be a great team. But honestly, I think that's going to help Chris a little bit because he's going to get some volume and he can just take off and run at any moment. Uh, and he'll be one of the most athletic guys out there on the field. So I would I would second, you know, throw in a, a, a little bit of waiver change at him and hoping that he can pop off and have some big weeks. I think he'll be a classic uh, better in best ball type of a guy where yeah, he can have sure. those 100-yard rush games, 150-yard rush games with like two touchdowns, and then whatever you get passing is cherry on top. But I, I think he's still a little bit hard to trust right now. I kind of want to see it a little bit more. But the upside is there to to warrant taking a shot on. 
here's where I I mean when I say elevating the whole offense, Colin. You didn't mean I don't think be there like a top was a ten offense now. I don't think there was a single player on this team that defenses had to respect, which means that the quarterback's job was probably twice as hard as it normally has to be. I don't think Woodridge was anything special. He's completing fifty six percent of his passes over the three games. Uh, you know, an eight out of eight. I mean, it wasn't like this was a guy taking a bunch of risk and playing really well and, and, and you know, really running a, a well, uh, nice, you know, humming offense here. But Chris came in, com- you know, 50, completed 50% more of his passes than, than the starter before him did. Uh, way higher, uh, you know, underlying metrics. The ADOT was four yards higher. Um, like all, all these things. I mean, I just think like t- defenses now have to be scared of him breaking an 80 yard rush. I think the coaching staff's going to love. And that's why I don't understand how, why more of these small schools don't just find a guy like this. I know, you know, the guys that can run as fast as he does don't grow on trees, but you know, go get these athletes. Like the Thomas Castellanos is the, the, Nate Johnson. Is the, the Nate Johnson was in my head, but I think he was probably too good of a player quote unquote yeah. to, to have considered a place like that. Um, but go find those guys and just let them run, like let them figure things out. Okay. Maybe you'll suck for a year. Guess what? Without them, you were going to suck anyway. But I think Chris is a really interesting player. I think again, another guy that I'm trying to sneak through really cheap on waivers along with Castellanos. Cause I think, um, both of them, I think that you can even get a, a maybe a start or two out of them this year, quite frankly, with buys yeah. and injuries, how they stack up real quickly. I, I think you definitely could Castellanos for sure. Chris, I, I could, I could definitely see that as well too. I just yeah, like I just heavily doubt that like people don't have roster space for Zion Chris. Now maybe you only have one waiver left this season or something, then yeah, like you're not gonna go spend it on this guy. Right. You're probably gonna wait maybe till the end of the season for a stash or something like that. But um in this scenario, I mean I think you know, if you've got the roster space and, and some some ads to spare, then there there's literally no downside there. The other guy that I do just want to highlight real quick, this is not this is like a maybe end of season kind of guy. Although he might get picked up before then if they if he plays well as Timmy McLean at UCF. John Reese Plumley's in his last year of eligibility at UCF. Um, he's injured for the next three to four weeks. Uh McLean came into this game, kind of a similar kind of player, a guy that we kind of liked here uh, overall uh, at Campus Can over the past couple of classes. Uh completed 71% of his passes. Granted, it was Villanova, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, was careful with the ball, um, and he adds stuff on the ground as well. I mean, 43 yards rushing this week and only five attempts. Um, I mean, I think this is a guy that could slot into that that starting quarterback job pretty seamlessly after JRP's gone. But it's more of a stash. Maybe you get another week or two out of him. They play Kansas State this week, so probably not anxious to roll him out there uh, in this one. But I think this is a really interesting guy to look at end of season uh, to to grab because I think if you if no if you don't grab him now, he will get drafted in sub drafts next year. He'll be an, an yeah. interesting name. I doubt they if he as long as he doesn't play like awfully over the next couple of weeks, I doubt they would bring somebody in over him. I think he would probably be their guy. Yeah, I think he probably will be as well. And we know we like that offense for quarterbacks. Um so especially with with his skill set. So I do think that, that Timmy McLean is uh, an interesting name to keep an eye on, um, especially with the JRP injury. We don't know exactly how long he's going to be out, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be back in the next like couple of weeks. Um, so it'll at least give Timmy McLean a chance to 
figure a little bit out about this offense and it'll give us a little bit to, of time to figure him out. But I think he's worth the speculative ad there as well. Um, Cause like we talked about with Thomas Castellanos, Gus Malzahn likes these running quarterbacks, these dual threat type of guys that are probably a little bit more runner than actual passer. Um, so I think that, you know, we, Timmy McLean will be a guy that you're going to want moving forward. So the preemptive grab now, makes a lot of sense if you have the waiver claims for it. Colin Castellanos. Come on. Come on. Give, give me some. Give, Castellanos. Give me, a, give me a real good pronunciation there. Come on. Tomas Castellanos. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure there are people in your life that would just have been ashamed to hear you pronounce it like that, Colin. Um, I mean, do we know that's how it's pronounced? I, I'll be honest. I have not. I have not really heard it like on a like a box score or like a like a like an official pronunciation, like not, not a box score, a depth chart. Seen it? I don't know. You know they, how like they break out their depth charts, but I'm pretty sure that the announcers when I was watching this weekend were saying Castellanos. Okay. I like well, when I mean, you listen to like English soccer and the British guys like try so hard to like pronounce all those Spanish specifically names correct. And they're like Castellanos. Like that's probably what they would say <laughs> if you were listening to a, uh, a an EPL broadcast. <laughs> yeah, they're real big on that. The, like a subset of people in Spain say, and that's it. <laughs> I digress. I digress. Um, last larger scale topic uh in kind of the the year in review here that i want to or the weekend review that i want to talk about and there are a lot of other ones we can't cover them all on the show guys quite frankly i think if you're listening to uh the, across the, the the platform of, of shows you'll probably get a, a good feel for 20 30 40 uh, of the games this week but we we can't cover them all the tight end shortage shortage is actually the last one uh that i want to kind of highlight here and we talked all offseason, basically two different strategies of playing tight end this year. It was either anchor tight end, and basically that was probably Bowers or Gadsden only. There were arguments for JT Sanders, but I don't think we could have expected him to be as consistent on a week-to-week basis. So it was anchor tight end where you got one of those guys, and if you had them, you probably didn't have to carry as many tight ends because you were hoping that, that you'd be starting that guy every week if they were healthy. And if that guy was not healthy, then you might be in trouble anyway. That's kind of the thought process behind that. The other one was shotgun tight end and that was you roster between four and six of these guys maybe once a stash uh and then the rest of them you're basically just hoping that one or two of them end up being startable on a weekly basis and that's where we talked about a lot of names that we threw out there um guys like david martin robinson harold fannin uh michael trigg um dallin holker was a guy that we mentioned multiple times in that section um uh who else were we talking about in there calling kind of that that shotgun tight end approach that we liked um, Dalvin Smith was a guy that I was, was yeah. interested in yeah. with the Casey's kind of like that, that cheat code. Um, Luke Lachey, honestly, I mean, I know he's a little mm-hmm. more of a Debbie guy, but I think he, yeah. he fits squarely in there. There are a oh, lot of these guys that, that we kind of said, like, that's how you would kind of construct your, your tight end room with a couple of these guys that you think, um, depending on if the offense, uh, ends up working out or not, uh, could be in for a nice year. Um, well, it turns out that Gadsden's done. So if you went anchor and you really didn't have anything behind him, Depending on how many waivers you got left, you could be in some trouble at the tight end position. So welcome to the real world for the rest of us, uh, Gadsden owners. Uh, but we also lose Luke Lachey, who I think had turned into quite the reliable weekly target. You know, I don't know that there were really going to be a whole lot of 30-point weeks uh, coming out of him. But I think he, he was probably going to be the most targeted guy in that Iowa offense for whatever that's worth. Uh, we lose them both. They're done for the season. This is after also some injuries to a few other guys around. 
the tight end position right now. Dalvin Smith, as you mentioned, and I haven't seen exactly if he's going to be back yet. Jalen Conyers is out. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. Um, any other, What other tight ends are out right now, Colin? Oh man, there's it's been kind of a graveyard there for them. Um, Mazzotti was out a little bit at the beginning of the year, he's back now. I think you hit all of the major ones. Keith, he hasn't played yet. I mean, yeah, right, it's 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 been tough. So, I did just want to talk about Yasmin hasn't done anything, but that's Yasmin, the guy that we thought, oh, yeah, the guy that was supposed to replace him. If you thought, you know, yeah, that, Mm -hmm. but there's legitimately a tight end room out there that is that is like Gadsden. Um, like probably like RJ Maryland who didn't play last week again, some sort of injury that we weren't aware of. And, um, and, and Yasmin and they were like, man, I'm so set at tight end. <laughs> and now they're, they're screwed. And so not so much <laughs> viable alternatives, Colin. And I, I think some of the guys that we kind of liked as lower tier late kind of guys have probably been added by now. Guys like Ben Sinat is probably been picked up in leagues. Yeah. Uh, if he's not, I think he's certainly a pivot option. Um, I think Amari Nyblack is kind of interesting a little bit. He's gotten some targets, uh, only with Jalen Milrow, but good news, Jalen Milrow is back next week. Um, I, what, what tight ends are you kind of looking at to bridge the gap here? And like, is there a, would you rather trade for one? Would you rather, if your team's kind of 50, 50 anyway, just say like F it, if you don't have a lot of waivers left and, and, and kind of give this year up. I mean, what, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm not going to give up a year just because of the tight end position. Um, I mean, if the rest of my team isn't good and, you know, we're sitting here, this is week three, the college season is well, like a third of the way over here or a quarter of the way over. Um, so you kind of have to make your decision at this point. Anyway, if the rest of your team's bad, then yeah, sure. I'd probably pack it in if, if my tight end situation isn't good either, but that's not going to be the sole decision factor for me. I probably would rather trade for somebody unless you're in a league where Dallin Holker, uh, might be available. Um, you know, maybe a, a guy like, um, JJ McAfee, the wide receiver slash tight end for Georgia Southern is a guy who I think is available in a decent amount of leagues out there. And he gets, uh, a de- he gets decent target volume. Now last week he only had one catch, but it went for a touchdown. So that helps. Um, so he's a guy that I think you could potentially pivot to, um, Jack Westover for, uh, Washington has actually been decent in two games. Um, he's been pretty touchdown dependent, but he's he's gotten a couple target uh, four and five targets. Yeah, so. I was gonna say as far as targets go, he's not done awful for the yeah. tight end position. And that one was in just an uh, against Tulsa, and that was never really a game. So I'm sure that probably played a part yeah. in it a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. So so there's there's like two names that maybe you could get off the waiver wire. Maybe uh, Michael Harrison. Um, the Colorado wide receiver tight end. He was probably out there, but I don't that, That's know. the name I wanted to ask you about. That's the name I wanted to ask you about, especially with um, Travis Hunter out for the next few mm-hmm. weeks with the lacerated uh, kidney. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think he's really interesting as well. Sanders seemed to like him. He got seven targets. They were pretty easy targets too. Yep. All underneath stuff kind of in space. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, is out of all the tight ends on my waiver wire um it he's probably up he's definitely up there but there aren't too many other guys that you that i feel like at this point you could pick up and just plug into your lineup and you could still be a contender if you lost a guy like gadston or lachey so i probably would look to trade 
with somebody who has a good tight end. Maybe the Benjamin Urasek owner um, is struggling. Um, or, you know, maybe the uh, Tanner Kazoyle, the tight end for Ball State, maybe his owner's struggling. I mean, you can fa- probably find an owner who's a struggling team and maybe buy their tight end. I would probably look to go that route first, uh, just because a lot of the tight ends that you have on your roster, like we talked about with this with the shotgun approach, that's pretty unpredictable. Guys that are on the waiver wire at this point are going to be even more unpredictable, I think. There are actually, a few exceptions. There are actually four names that I want to briefly mention that I think are available enough that they're worth discussing. And I think the first one has to be Dallin Holker. Mm-hmm. If he's available in your league, he's available in several of mine. I think he's definitely worth looking at. Um, not because I expect him to put up 100 yards and a touchdown every week because it wasn't like he got 12 targets uh, this week. I think he got uh, a handful. Um, but I think that offense is just going to have so much volume that that it's going to be a little easier to to project some more spike weeks for him, even though it might be, uh, again, a little difficult to do so. Um, I do want to touch on, I mean, I think Harold Fannin is a really interesting one. I think he's floating around out there. Uh, they've had three games, Bowling Green's played three games this year. Two of them were kind of tough matchups for a school like Bowling Green, Stature, Liberty, and Michigan. He didn't do amazing in those games, but against uh, Eastern Illinois, he did have eight targets, seven catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. And he does run the ball a little bit, uh, which I think is really attractive. Uh, his playoff schedule is Kent State, Toledo, Western Michigan. Uh, also plays Akron in there, Miami of Ohio in there, Ohio in there. I mean, not particularly great defenses. So I think he's a guy that's really interesting. Uh, uh, Harrison from Colorado is a guy that I think is is really, really um, uh, a guy to watch, especially over the next couple of weeks. And then the last name that I, I didn't hear you mention, I'm, I'm sorry if you did, um, is Max Clare or Clar. Mm. I've heard okay. announcers say both. Uh, he's the second-year tight end at Purdue. He's listed as a freshman on fan tracks. So he's a second-year guy there. Um, in three games this year, so far, he's gotten four, nine, and seven targets. Um, he's been over uh, 60 yards twice. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet. But I think those the, the the scores will come with how much this offense, again, likes to pass the ball on a weekly basis. Um, so Claire is another guy that I think if you're looking for a super cheap option that no one else is going to be fighting over this week, and you just want to spend one buck on somebody, I think you could go get Max Claire, and I think he's really, really interesting too. Yeah, I mean, the target volume's been there. You know, like you said, yep. nine and seven targets the last two weeks. So, and that's that's what we want. Is is target volume out of out of the tight end position uh, that leads to maybe not super high ceiling for a guy like Claire, but the floor is going to be there. And honestly, that's sometimes what you need out of the tight end position is just a guy who's not going to get you a goose egg or two points. Uh, and I don't see a ton of situations where, given this you know continuous uh, volume that he's seen, even in week one, he had four targets. Given that target share, I don't see a, a too many dud performances from from Claire. Agreed, agreed. So those are the directions I'm going. I do think there are some situations. If I'm one and two, I'm not top four or five in points scored. I may consider shifting off a few assets and just saying like effort for the year. Um, if you're only in one C2C league and you just don't want to do that, um, then yeah, I think I think those are the options that I would go for. If you're trying to trade for another tight end, Colin. I think you mentioned some guys there, uh, you know, but uh, I, I I would never want to spend up 
for a tight end really no so no. whatever kind of the mm-hmm. cheapest option you can get your hands on like i'm not spending a a third for Eurosec or something yeah. like that or uh uh, what's what's the highest you would spend? Because that is some some people might might ask. Um, what, what do you think? Fifth rounder, uh, sixth rounder. I would. That feels even a little. I rich. would cons- I would consider a fourth for a guy like a Eurosec. That um, still feels rich to me personally. If my team is like one like piece away and I lost a guy like Gads, you know, I was really counting on, I would consider a fourth for a guy like Eurosec. Now. He, yeah. He had a huge dud last week, but he is the best piece of this offense. And I think moving forward, he'll be fairly reliable. Um, so a guy like that, a guy that I feel really good about, I would consider a fourth, but beyond that, yeah. Fifth, sixth. I think uh, I'm trying to spend a seventh. And I don't think I'd spend a fourth for your sec personally. Um, yeah, but. I think it's situation dependent, but yeah, I I wouldn't spend up for a tight end either because you can you can get some of these guys for cheaper. And as we keep going into the season, more and more teams are going to start to pack it in and, and play for next year. And I think at that point, you can even the price is even going to come down a little bit more. Yeah, at some point, some guys, you know, I've had leagues where I've traded. Like usually I would never trade a CFF guy for this, but I've traded him for like a 14th round pick. And like the week before the playoffs where I'm clearly not making the playoffs and this guy has no eligibility left, I'll be like, yeah, whatever I can get for him, I'll, I'll take. So obviously yeah. not doing that with Eurosec, but um, maybe some other guys hanging out there um, that, that that would apply to. Um, all right, Colin, let's let's get into uh, final. Uh, I guess we have two topics left. Do you want let's let's talk Jalen Milrow first before we we do this next um, uh, uh, discussion. Jalen Milrow. Um, for anybody, we kind of talked about it last week. They uh, or we didn't talk about it on this show. We talked there was talk about it on some other shows because mm-hmm. uh, it happened after we recorded this. Um, Tyler Buckner uh, announced was going to be the starter for next week. Um, after. In my opinion, like not an awful performance. Like Milrow wasn't great in that Texas game, but I didn't walk away from that game thinking like he cost him it or anything. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's just me. Um so they benched him. They rolled Buckner out there for essentially a half. He was so bad that they went to Ty Simpson, who was also so bad that they only scored 17 points against USF. Um, and then they announced today that Jalen Milrow was going to be back starting next week i don't i think it's a very very weird series of events i'm not sure i'm not sure why it went exactly the way it did i have there were some conspiracy theories floating around in our discord i think that the the the, uh underlying uh whatever was just that this was probably the worst game left on their schedule uh they kind of wanted to see if there was potentially more upside somewhere else and they figured out quicker than probably even they anticipated there's not so I think it's probably going to be Milrow rest of season unless just something insane happens. Um, I, I mean, I think we're, we're back to being really in on him for fantasy purposes. Um, but but uh, it kind of not feeling so great about the receivers again. Yeah, I mean, I thought last week, you know, maybe it's an Isaiah Bond breakout week. That was a, pretty much a gut call and the gut was wrong on that one. So I think we're kind of back to just not trusting any of these guys moving forward, which... Uh, is it fun? Uh, yeah. Cause I have some Benson. I have some bond. I still have some Burton. Um, and I don't think we could really trust, trust any of these guys moving forward. Mm-hmm. Now I think, is this going to help Alabama as a team? I think it will. Yeah. I, I think that Milrow is 
looked the best out of those three quarterbacks. And yeah, okay, Ty Simpson really only got one game in there. But if you can't look good against USF, like what are we doing? You know, as they get into the SEC play, like Ty Simpson's not going to be the answer. So I think this helps Alabama as a team. I don't think it really helps anybody as a as a uh, fantasy like option though. And Jace McClellan kind of been struggling. Rodell Williams had a big week this past week, yeah. but you know, I it, it's hard to trust those running backs too because that offensive line doesn't look good. What I can't understand is how they can't how they can't establish the run. Yeah. That's been honestly the most, the, the, the more perplexing part of it for me has been, we talked about this all off season, very unproven at quarterback, no matter what option they went with. So we thought that this would just be run a Palooza and it hasn't been. Yeah. They've, they've not run the ball a lot. And when they have, it hasn't been very effective. Like I, with that, talented of an offensive line that big of an offensive line and the backs that they have there's no reason that they're not way and with Jalen Milra who can do some design run stuff yeah. no reason why there shouldn't be 40 rush attempts per game for Alabama this year they seem unwilling it's a little perplexing to me uh, I don't know if it's a Tommy Reese issue if it's not what Nick Saban wants um, maybe they obviously plenty of other reasons too that we're never going to know uh, but that that's honestly actually been the weirdest part of this Alabama offense for me that I can't figure out is why they're unwilling to just lean so heavily into the run game. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me either. I mean, that offensive line didn't look particularly good. Uh, they just look big and slow. So maybe that does have something to do with it. I don't know, but they are big. So I, I just feel like they have to be able to at least bully some people a little bit because that's kind of what they're designed to do, but they haven't been able to do that in non-con play against USF. They didn't really do it. They didn't really do it against middle Tennessee state or yeah. Um, so I don't think they're going to be able to do it in the sec sands for maybe like one or two opponents. Yeah. It's uh, it's just been odd all around there. So we'll see what happens there. All right. Uh, shout out to top performers of the week. Caden Salter, quarterback. Uh, 59.8 points, uh, Blake Watson, 35.7, Malik Neighbors, 48.9, and Michael Harrison, uh, tight end wide receiver with 32.1. All right. Uh, before we talk waivers, Colin, I do want to ask, we did panic. Uh, mm-hmm. are, we, are we panicking last week? I want to do it again this week, but I want to talk about some different uh options here overall. I want to talk actually freshman wide receivers. And we have the year one zero theory at campstacant.com for those not terribly familiar with it. It is essentially some very minimal thresholds that fresh, true freshman wide receivers have to hit uh, in order for them to hold Debbie value in the future, more likely for breakouts uh, later on. The, the differences are actually extremely stark. Um, there's been like three wide receiver one seasons ever out of guys that haven't hit one of these eight markers, uh, uh, 10 receptions, hundred receiving yards, um, uh, five rushes, uh, 15 rush yards, a rush touchdown, and then a couple of special teams ones as well. Um, like super minimal, um, uh, production metrics. So we, we, we have a tool for NIL members. You can go in and you can look and see progress every week where these guys are at, uh, and hitting all of these. Uh, and we're kind of getting to the point of the season where some of the kind of garbage time games are gone. 
there, there aren't a ton of them for uh, some of these big power five teams that are going to happen. So we kind of have to figure out, are these guys playing? And if they're not playing, not really getting snaps, like, is it likely that it's going to happen in the future? Are they going to hit any of these thresholds? If not, we want to get rid of them ASAP before we get to the end of the season. People realize that they didn't do anything this year and, and the, the value kind of goes down to crapper. So I picked out a handful of guys here, Colin, that I think um, are varying degrees of close and wanted to discuss them here with you tonight. I think the first one is Jonte Cook, wide receiver Texas, my top receiver here in the class overall. Um, he's had a couple of catches this year. Um, uh, he has two receptions on four targets. He has 26 yards, no touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's going to get there. I'm actually really not worried about it at this point. Um, played 17 snaps week one, two in week two and five week three. The fact that he's continuing to play snaps to me is good. And if something happens to one of these guys, as I've said before, I think he steps right in and, and uh, really gets some more snaps. But where, where should we be on panic meter on Jonte Cook? Oh, that's like a two, a three, maybe. I, I'm honestly not worried about him. The fact that he, like you said, the fact that he's getting snaps already, definitely encouraging. Um, is uh, They are going into conference play, but it's still the Big 12. So I think there's a couple of games in there that they could. Um, there TCU, you know, they'll probably get against TCU. That's <laughs> defense is so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there's, there's a couple games in there where I think he'll, he can get there. Uh, I'm not too worried about him overall. All right, let's go to the next one here. Brandon Innes, who we had, I believe was a tier one wide receiver in the guide. If not tier one, then he was the top guy in our tier two. Uh, not an early enrollee. We thought that might hurt him a little bit. Um, not that it, that's a blanket statement that we like to make because I don't think the data supports that. Um, but with such a loaded wide receiver room and Carnell Tate, getting in there before him, making a lot of noise. We thought uh, it would be good for him uh, or it might, might be tough for him here this year. Um, looking at his stats so far, he has one target, no catches, um, no rushes or anything like that. Um, I don't believe he's returning kicks, is he? He's been back there for some snaps, but I don't think he's actually returned any. So, um, you know, potentially sneaks in there. Um snaps he played 10 last week against Western Kentucky the two weeks before that he played five and two I bet he probably doesn't do a ton this week against Notre Dame how worried are we on Brandon Innes uh, another guy that it's encouraging to see some early snaps um it for so I'm not too worried about that yet either that whole passing attack really hasn't gotten going they did last week um so I think that you know that's an encouraging sign moving forward and Ohio State is going to get uh, some, you know, softer teams at points to like, I'm not too worried about Maryland. Uh, I'm not too worried about Rutgers. Rutgers defense has looked decent so far, but they haven't really played anybody that tough. Um, and Ohio State blows them out every year. So Ohio State, yeah, seems to blow them out every year. They're going to get Michigan State too. They're a dumpster fire. So I think there's a couple games on the schedule where we could see Ennis work his way in. But even if he doesn't, you know, get a ton of work in those games, I think enough, he'll get in and enough smattering of games here where I think he'll hit that. So panic meter on him is maybe a little bit higher than Cook, just given the state of that wide receiver room and that passing offense. So it's maybe like a three, 3.5. 
I'm a little more worried than that. I want to put it if it's on a scale of one to ten, like a five or a six. I do think the big saving grace is for him is going to be that you have to hope that that the Buckeyes don't uh, make the playoff. You have to hope that uh, they go to a normal bowl mm-hmm. game that Emeka Buka and um, Marvin Harrison Jr. don't play in, and maybe even Julian Fleming. Um, I, th- I think that's what you have to hope for. I don't know if there are quite enough games left. That could be the one that maybe gets him there. We've had some guys have that happen in the past. Adam Randall from this past year, uh, for example. Um, I- I'm a little concerned. I-, I just don't know that there's a role that's been open for him. Uh, he's not rotating in quite as much. He really actually only played five offensive snaps. Um, five of those were on uh, kick and punt return coverage. So um, I- I'm a little concerned. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned here. I think if I have Ennis, I'm starting to sniff around and see if I can move him. And really, I think the best way, the absolute best way to move these guys, if you can, especially a guy like Ennis or, you know, Cook, if you're if you're that worried. I'm not, but you might be. Um, you package them with another Debbie guy into an NFL piece. A lot of folks will say, you know, that I won't trade a, a good NFL player for, for just one Debbie guy, you know, maybe like a, I, I used Calvin Ridley in his example in our discord mm-hmm. today. Yeah. It's the kind of guy, you know, a little bit older, not, not the youngest guy out there. Uh, you can, you, you could trade, you know, Luther Burden and Brandon Ennis for him. And if Ennis ends up being a year one zero, then you essentially trade a one guy for, 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 for Calvin Ridley. So that's the kind of trade where I think, I'm I'm trying to incorporate him. Last ditch effort. I'll just take you know hopefully another pick or something like that, but like a high high supplemental pick. But that would not be the preference if I can avoid it. Yeah, I'm I'm still not too worried about the two guys we've mentioned so far. We're gonna get into some names where I, I think that that makes a lot of sense to try to read some tea leaves early and move off of them. But I think you're still gonna have some sell windows throughout the course of the year. Um, especially if it's, you know, somebody who doesn't subscribe to the year one zero theory or doesn't really subscribe to our site uh, and doesn't may not necessarily be aware of that theory. So you'll have some opportunities to move them. I'm willing to give them a little bit more time. Um, well, are you willing to give Jury on a little more time, Colin? He uh, has played 11 total snaps, eight in week one none in week two, and then played three this past week uh, in a couple of blowouts there. Uh, has not recorded even a target yet. Uh, so obviously zero receptions. They're not using him on kick or punt returns, and I don't think they ever will based on no. how that roster is constructed. So that seems like an unlikely way uh, for get, for him to get in. And they're so deep at running back that I don't think he gets a lot of rushing touches. So this is a guy we talked about before the season. He was a sneaky year one zero candidate because they had so many guys there. Just like, like I don't think Chris Hudson's a great player. He's a guy that's in the way. I don't think Treshawn Holden's a very good player, but he's in his way. I don't think I, – I think Gary Bryant and Tez Johnson are like good, fine college wide receivers, but they're not like amazing NFL guys, but they're in his way. There are all these players that are in his way. They're going to make it really difficult for him to see the field a ton. And I think we're seeing that already. And we're running out of blowout opportunities for Oregon overall. Although they get Colorado this week, that could get ugly. Maybe he gets <laughs> he gets some stats this week. I don't know. Hey, I'm not I'm, I'm not willing to say it's going to get ugly for uh, Colorado in any week because I think with that offense. But we've seen how to beat Colorado is to rush three or four and have athletes on the back end. 
Oregon can do that. What can Oregon do with that bad of an offensive line? They can create pressure at three or four players, and they have some athleticism on the back end. I'm, I think this is going to be a really tough week. I wouldn't say Ben Shador. I thought about it for start sits later, but I'm pretty concerned for this whole offense this week. Yeah, I, I think for the offense this week to uh, maybe be a little concerned, but uh, for Dickey, Dickey is probably a little bit higher because we did say at the beginning of the year we were a little bit worried about him. I would probably put him at like a six, seven at this point um, where I am get starting to get worried. I, I do think that there's going to be some opportunities coming up. Like you said, with um, Colorado, uh, they still have Cal and Arizona state on the schedule. Um, so it's pretty bad. Stanford still on the schedule. So there's still a couple games where he might, he might get there. Um, so I'm not, panic selling but i am worried i am worried so like a six seven for dicky for me if we get through stanford and colorado and then they have the buy in week six and he still doesn't have a single target then i'm worried then i'm probably selling yeah i'm pretty concerned overall and i think outside of troy franklin i think the majority of the receivers if they weren't to make the playoff would play in a bowl game. So I think that, you know, I don't know that Probably. that avenue is necessarily open to him. Like maybe it is for some of these other guys. So I, um, I think I'm, I'm pretty worried. It's, it's probably a seven and a half out of 10 for me. Pr- pretty worried there for Dickey. Shelton Sampson, next guy on the list here. He's at LSU. Um, I thought he would get on the field a little bit here this year because they were saying some nice things about him overall uh, in, in the off season. But Brian Thomas has been a lot better than I thought he would be. And Thomas has kind of operated similarly to how I think they would want to use Shelton Sampson as kind of that taller, lankier, explosive guy. Um, Sampson got two targets against Grambling, but didn't re- uh, didn't record any sort of stats. Um, for what it's worth, PFF hated the performance. Um, <laughs> and so not, not great there. Uh, he did play 30 snaps in that game. But outside of that, he played two just in punt return in week one, and then didn't play any snaps last week against Mississippi State in that one. I think that's a really concerning one. Um, I think uh, that this might be a 9 or a 10 on the uh, does-he-get-there scale. Yeah, I would put that pretty high at this point. Like you said, Brian Thomas has just been better than what we were expecting. He's been he's been pretty good. Um, he's been good, yeah. Yeah, I'm not like gonna go shout from the, ra- the the mountaintops that he's an NFL guy yet or anything or like a legit NFL guy, but he's been good. Yeah, he's been good and and good enough that you say he and Shelton Sampson perform a very similar role in this offense. And as long as he's good, Shelton Sampson is probably not going to be getting on the field. Uh, I don't necessarily see as quite as many blowout games for LSU on this schedule coming up either. Um, they do have a cupcake at the end of the year whose name they're escaping me. Um, it's a G5 one, but the L, uh, uh, SEC always has that one week towards the end of the year where they have like a cupcake. So they might get one more game when they start to blow teams out. Uh, and but of course, who would have thought they'd blow out Mississippi State? They, but, they have they have Army and they have Georgia State left. Oh, okay. I forgot Army. I knew Georgia State. That was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Because we were talking players about georgia state that you mm-hmm. might like weeks that you would want to sit them and there weren't too many of those um okay i'm still worried i'm probably like an eight with with samson 
there is still like a path there, like he's with, uh, you know, a couple of those games. And then maybe in the bowl game, neighbors sees the writing on the wall and he sits. Um, so, yeah, it's like an eight for Samson. Um, yeah, I, I, it's really, really high. Uh, next up on the list here, two more names calling for you. Hakeem Williams, Florida State. Um, I think legitimately the clip from, um, um, uh, what's that movie with Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah and, um, bad. What? Super bad. Yeah. Super bad. Okay. When they're running after the kid, <laughs> he's the fastest kid. He's alive. the fastest kid alive. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually talking about Hakeem Williams there. Um, super, super fast, super crazy athlete, but he has two cardinal sins is that he's old and he's really like actually an awful football player, but like crazy athlete. So sometimes those guys can kind of overcome that. Um, he does have one reception this year, which is encouraging. Uh, has seen two targets overall. Uh, he did. I saw him on the field a couple times against FSU and they commented on how well he was doing run blocking. Um, but didn't play at all last week against Boston College. Got five snaps week one, 23 week two. Um, Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman kind of driving this train right now. Plus, um, they have a handful of other uh, pretty decent wide receivers there overall um, that are definitely in front of him on the depth chart. Um, uh, uh, Jaheim Bell has been getting a ton of targets. Honestly, they're using Toa Feely a lot, Winston Wright's. Uh, mixes it up a little bit. So uh, moral of the story, I think it's it's tough for him. Or, or we're pretty worried about Hakeem Williams at this point. Yeah, Hakeem Williams is like a 10, um, to be honest. 9.5 maybe, uh, just because he is such an athletic freak. But yeah, it's like a 9.5 or a 10. We were pretty worried about him coming into the year. And he hasn't really done anything to assuage those concerns. Um Coleman and Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson both serve a, a similar role as what Hakeem Williams would in this offense. They have other guys on that team too. So I, I'm pretty worried about Hakeem Williams. I don't have him anywhere because he was going higher than what I was, than what I had him rated. Like you said, he's big, he's fast, but he's a little old. He was very unrefined. So I wasn't too interested in Hakeem Williams and and the total lack of involvement so far uh, makes me think that he's pretty much going to be done. Yeah, not not feeling too uh, optimistic there overall. Um, last name on the list here, Colin, is actually Carnell Tate. And for the record, Carnell Tate is like not that far off. He's got four catches for 75 yards already this year. So 25 yards more uh, gets yeah. him gets him there. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I don't know what's, I guess the scale goes to zero, then it's a zero, but I do just want to mention that he is not there yet. A guy that we really touted, uh, this off season as a guy that was in my personal top three and a very defined tier there. I thought he was, uh, squarely within it. Yeah. I think that he is a zero. If it goes that low, a one, if it doesn't, um, I'm not surprised that he hasn't hit it through four games, especially like you say, given how Ohio state's passing offenses or three games, given how Ohio state's passing offenses looked. Um, but I, I'm not worried about Tate. He's going to get there. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. Um, so I, this is, I, I get why you threw him on there. Cause we have had some guys come off that list already, but I'm not worried about Tate. 
Yeah, just to real quick list the guys that have already hit at least one of these thresholds. Uh, Mikey Matthews at Utah, uh, Jaden Greathouse at Notre Dame, Eugene Wilson at Florida, Jaquazy Petaway at Oklahoma, Deuce Robinson, and Zachariah Branch at USC. So uh, fun times all around there. Uh, legitimate chance that Zachariah Branch hits all eight. We'll see. Doesn't happen too often, um, but but he definitely could here this year. All right. Luther Burden uh, last year. Burden was the last one. And I think before him, the, the one before that was, uh, I think Rondale hit it. Mm. Um, it's happened. It's happened like eight or nine times. And I actually had to look into it last year because I, I won't embarrass them or whatever on the show. Uh, he can take it. Somebody that works with us made the very bold claim that Luther Burden was the only player to ever hit all eight thresholds on one of our shows, I believe. And uh, I was like, um, there's i can go through here there's a, there's there's didn't steph Diggs hit it too uh Diggs did i believe yeah. there there's there's been some and and usually if you hit like more than four like the odds of you uh mm. probably becoming a a, a real a legitimate debbie nfl asset increases right. uh pretty exponentially yeah um so interesting all around there um let's hop into the waivers real quick here colin it's a thinner week I think, you know, if you're if some of the guys that we've talked about in past weeks and we're not going to rehash all those names, if they're still floating around out there um, and waivers are kind of looking picked over a little bit, I'd, I'd go after one of them. But here are the names that we picked out for this week. So start with limited waivers. So we, we're classifying this as 10 or fewer uh, pickups throughout the year. Uh, first name on here, uh, South Carolina wide receiver Xavier Leggett, who's filled in admirably for Antoine Wells so far this year. Um, a big guy, I think he's listed at 6'3", 225 or somewhere in that range. Uh, he's gotten 26 targets through three games so far, turned that into the 22 catches, 367 yards and a touchdown. He's lining up a little bit all over the place, 68% out wide, 31% of the time in the slot. Um, he's averaging over three yards per route run, which is great. His A dot is 14, which is, you know, means he's getting, those are some pretty high value targets overall um he's excelling in contested kit catch situations he's had seven targets uh contested catch and he's come down with five of them which is pretty darn great um i, I mean this is a guy this is his fifth year in college his best season before this was 18 catches for 167 yards and three touchdowns like I know that that with the way college football goes now you can't always necessarily go after early or, or like early leaving school early doesn't matter that much to me, but for the guy to basically have done nothing for all these years and then pop up makes me a little nervous, but I do think he's here to stay for fantasy this year. I think at worst, he's kind of a, you know, bi-week filling kind of guy that you're happy to uh, be able to plug in as opposed to some of these guys that, that we thought would be good this year that haven't done much. Yeah, I, I completely agree on, on Leggett. Um, he is seeming like he's going to be the number one option for that. Uh, South Carolina passing attack with with Wells's injury. So even if Wells comes back, I think Leggett will have some sta some standalone value as well. There will be some times where you you could probably play him, you can flex him, uh, and not be too worried about it. But with Wells being out, I think he's got a really nice ceiling. Uh, I think he could be a guy that that gets twenty twenty five points uh, in a couple of matchups, even if it's their tougher matchups. Um, just because we don't really like the rest of the guys in that offense. They can't really run the ball right now. Spencer Rattler can at least throw it. Uh, 
So yeah, I, I think that he's definitely a candidate for the limited waiver section. Uh, there's only one guy on this list that I would have rather have over him. Uh, who is that guy, Colin? Because we we have four names on here. Who's the guy that you would rather have? It would be the next guy on the list, okay. actually, Colin Lacy. Uh, Colin Lacy, the uh, wide receiver for South Alabama. Uh, look, we just heard Devin Vwasen, uh is out for the rest of the year uh, with that torn ACL. Um, Colin Lacy is now going to step in and be the number one option in this passing attack. And I know South Alabama, uh, they they have started a little bit slow. If they did play Tulane and Oklahoma State, two pretty solid defenses here. Um, and they are a G5 team. They're a good G5 team, but they're still a G5 team. They're not quite on the level of, of like an Oklahoma State, even in, even in a down year. Um, but even in those two games, um, you know, he had 9.5 in the first week, uh, but he had 24.9 fantasy points last week against Oklahoma State. Uh, and he had seven, 10, and seven targets in those games with, with Vwasen going out. I think he's going to be a target monster heading into the soft part of their schedule. There's not another team on this schedule that I would be worried about uh, for a passing attack. They get Central Michigan, James Madison, um, you know, maybe Marshall in week 12, but honestly, still wouldn't really scare me that much. So I think you can fire up Colin Lacey confidently for the rest of the year. Um, so I would, uh, I would rather him over like it. Yeah. I think that's, um, a completely fair, uh, argument. I think when I'm looking, uh, I did, I talk actually a little bit about this in the key takeaways article this week. Um, when I, I really built a lot of my rosters for C2C campus wise around the wide receiver position, just because on average tends to have a little more longevity. And I think overall, in terms of projecting these guys, I think we kind of know what we're looking for at this point. And so we can kind of narrow down the field uh, quickly. When I'm looking at these guys, really, I'm looking for uh, vault target volume um, and then like basically ADOT. And then if they have a low ADOT, how good are they after the catch? Because I think you're just looking for the most targets you can get and the most valuable targets you can get. And what are valuable targets? You know, one's in the red zone, one's downfield or ones in they're designed to get you in space with maybe one guy. If you can make that guy miss, uh, then you're picking up some solid yardage there. So I think the reason that I give a little bit of the preference to Leggett overall is because he's got one more target, you know, whatever, but that ADOT, uh, Lacey's is 5.8. So I think that's going to give you potentially a really nice floor on a week to week basis, but I'm not sure you're going to get a ton of huge boom weeks overall from a fantasy perspective. I know last week he went five catches for 104 yards uh, in the touchdown, but he did pretty much all that after the catch. I just don't know that that's always going to be sustainable. You can't play Oklahoma State every week, bunch of bums. But I, I, yeah. I get, I, I think they're both good, good ads yeah. for what it's worth. Yeah. And, and for what it's worth, I know Oklahoma State's in kind of shambles, but uh, I still think their defense is, is decent. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's uh, I think they're both really good ads. Other guys that we have on the list here, Robert Lewis, I think is a really fun one. I think he kind of falls uh, in between these two guys um, where he's not necessarily doing a ton of catch to catch stuff, but his ADOT isn't like, I think, I think Lacey had a negative ADOT one game. Uh, if I, he might uh, have, I wouldn't if, rule that if out. I remember correctly. I think week one he did. Um, Lewis has 21 uh, targets so far. So, you know, a, a few less, but not, not terrible. 
Uh, the ADOT's 13, so it's, it's actually closer to Leggett there. Um, I thought it was a little less than that, so that's that's good to see. Um, but the volume's nice. He's the focal point of the passing attack. Uh, Georgia State doesn't play a lot of tough defenses from here on out. I mean, overall, I think uh, if he hasn't been added yet, and he's floating around on a lot of waiver wires for me, he's definitely a target this week. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's a target in limited waiver leagues as well if he is still floating out there. Probably third on my pecking list behind um, Lacey and Leggett. But like you said, it, it, the uh, target volume has been good. It's going to be a soft schedule the rest of the way out. Uh, and, and I like Darren Granger as a quarterback, you know, dual threat guy, but he can pass the ball a little bit. You know, he made Jamari Thrash uh, a, a fantasy relevant wide receiver. I think he can do the same for Lewis. Last name here, we just wrote down Dallin Holker, and I think we did. We kind of discussed him earlier, so I don't know that we need to get really into yeah. detail. One name that I do see floating around in a handful of my leagues, and I'm probably going to be kicking myself for saying this here live on the show. We've got to hope that people don't listen to it before uh, my waivers run. UNC wide receiver Nate McCollum is floating around out there. McCollum transferred in this mm. offseason from Georgia Tech. Um, he was injured, uh, missed week one, played like – Five snaps or something week two. Didn't really play that much. Maybe even two snaps. Um, but week three, he played, I believe, like 56 of 80 snaps or something like that. Uh, and had 21 targets, which is the most targets that any player has had in any given week in college football. Now, I don't care. If, I, I doubt this is a one-week mirage. I don't know if I can ever remember a guy getting 21 targets and then just like disappearing. Yeah. That doesn't really happen. Uh, usually, if you're getting 21, uh, you're getting fed. Um he catches the ball downfield. He can make guys miss short. Um, I already have seen enough to just say, yeah, I was on the wrong side of the pace or McCollum discussion uh, this off season. Um, and I think he, uh, if he's available, he is the number one ad. Can't expect 21 targets every week. It's pretty rare that you have a guy that gets 20, but I think this is a guy that could be a, a wide receiver one rest of season. Um, I, Honestly, I think it's tough. To, we talked about this last week. Like, I don't know that UNC is going to pass quite that much every week, although right. they definitely made a concerted effort this week, which was nice to see. Yeah, they, they definitely made the effort this week, but like, I don't think they're going to pass a ton moving forward or quite as much as what they did this week. But so, so yeah, 21 targets, not repeatable, but is he a guy who's going to get 12 to 15 targets every week? I think Maybe. that is, that is not outside the realm of possibility. And even eight, ten. I mean, those are still good numbers in those kind of fill-in weeks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think eight to ten is almost a given, uh, unless they're just absolutely blowing some team out. But yeah, eight to ten targets for sure, uh, even up into like the twelve to fifteen range. And and like you said, it probably signals the end for Kobe Pesor. But I think it's a really good sign for Nate McCollum in an offense that's really starved of talent at the receiving position. Uh, he would definitely be my top ad if he's available. Um, unlimited waivers, just some names to toss out there that we think are interesting. Eric Singleton Jr. at Georgia Tech. I almost put him in the 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 section above this, but I just think in terms of projecting him week to week, I think it's going to be a little more difficult, um, not quite getting the same volume as some of these other guys are so far. Uh, but Georgia Tech has been better passing the ball than I think any of us expected them to be. Um, 19 targets on the year for him, 10 catches, 200 yards, very explosive athlete. 
Um, so, uh, and eight out of almost 20 yards. So on average, they're targeting him about 20 yards downfield. I mean, that's pretty, pretty nice there. So an interesting guy, a little undersized. Um, I would put him kind of similar to squirrel white in terms of like what he can do as a football player, obviously not as prolific of a system. That's why we like squirrel white so much, but an interesting player. Yeah. I'm speed to burn there for sure. Um, and Georgia Tech's going to be a team that's probably in a lot of shootouts. So I think Eric Singleton, if he is available, is a really nice ad. Uh, Eric McAllister, next guy up here, not to be confused with Kevin McAllister. Um, Colin did the, uh, the, the cheek <laughs> slap there in case anybody couldn't. Uh, the aftershave. Hear. You probably couldn't hear the slap. I didn't slap myself hard enough, I guess. So here's here, McAllister is a second year guy there for Boise State. Uh, targets this year, 15, seven and eight in two of those games, you know, seven catches, six catches. Um, he's, he's big, he's pretty darn athletic, 16.4, a dot, um, not doing it. Uh, some contested catch stuff. Um, overall, I think this is a really interesting player for an offense that I think could use a go-to wide receiver. Um, so again, another cheap guy to maybe try to sneak through on waivers if you've got the option. Uh, I don't know how much you've watched of Boise State this year, Colin. I haven't admittedly only watched one full of their games, but I mean, I'm just looking at these numbers and it kind of matches what I saw week one. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really watched a ton of Boise State. I'm not super interested in the rest of the guys on the team besides GT. Um, Taylor Green's been a little bit disappointing. Uh, I think that there's still some room for a bounce back for him. So, you know, if there is a potential room for a bounce back for him, uh, I think Eric McAllister, uh, could be, could be an intriguing option. The target volume definitely there. Um, so I think he's a, a name worth adding if there's an unlimited league, but there's, there's probably some guys that I would have, um, a little bit higher priority than him. Some guys that we had mentioned on previous shows that you know, could potentially um, still be floating around out there. If Stephen McBride's floating around out there, I'd probably still have him ahead of him, even though Pafeli Ashlock does seem like he'll be the number one guy there. Um, so there's a couple other guys I'd probably rather, but McAllister I think is a good add nonetheless in an unlimited league. Uh, and then Braden Fowler, Nicolosi. And again, we don't have to to go into that. Colorado State quarterback, I think, is uh, a really fun player moving forward. Some watch list guys here. Lewis Brown, again, aforementioned, interesting guy. He's not a priority for me until I see it happen one more week, unless it's a very deep league. And then, Colin, you're making up names here on the show sheet. Again. I told you, <laughs> I've asked you not to do that. Try to get you on this one. Uh, now, McKay Hillstead, the quarterback for Utah State. Uh, freshman look Utah State is an offense that I, I thought they were going to have some nice pieces um, Terrell Vaughn just given the volume he's seen has been pretty good uh, but I thought Cooper Legab would, ha would have a, a nice fantasy year this year as well and he has been terrible and he's been benched for McKay Hillstead who came in and kind of revitalized this offense a little bit so I think he's a guy worth keeping an eye on um, I'm not ready to run out and add him even in unlimited waiver leagues, unless it's like a 24 teamer start three QBs, then it's so you have a, you uh, have a claim in, in our league for that Colin. I'm in one of those. Who's to say, who's <laughs> to say, um, if it's a league like that, then, you know, quarterback value goes out the window, but in any other situation, I'm not adding him just keeping an eye on him. Cause I 
do like the potential of a Blake Anderson offense. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's get into our start sits guys. Uh, again, refresher uh, for anybody that that's listening to this early week start sits. We each pick 10 starts, 10 sits. Um, these are non obvious names. So, you know, we're not saying start. Uh, we say Bijan and he's gone. I haven't found a, a, a good, we're not saying start <laughs> Rasheen Ali. We're not saying start Rasheen there Ali. You go. You're starting Rasheen Ali every week, no matter what. Um, yeah. And then we, uh, we, we figured out last week, uh, was my first winning week through three weeks. It was a good week for me. Nine and eight overall, uh, Colin, you went nine and 10. So mm-hmm. uh, a couple you'll notice didn't equal 20. We had a couple guys out, uh, get injured, um, that we did not anticipate. So Jeff Sims uh, was not one of them before Nate Marquise comes at me. That one did not count. I'm yeah, just saying, sit count. him into oblivion. Did not count. Caleb Johnson was and Dominic Richardson. I had last week. They mm-hmm. both didn't play, which was kind of fresh out of, out of left field. We didn't know that. Uh, we knew it before kickoff, but we didn't know it on Monday. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Alas. Uh, all right, Colin, uh, you want to uh, go first on the starts? Yeah, I suppose I can do that. My first start is a guy that I sat last week. Um, correctly, uh, Kamani Vidal running back for Troy. Uh, he gets Western Kentucky, and that was a rushing defense that I said to target. Uh, Travion Henderson had a nice week with those two scores on the ground. Um, they give up, Western Kentucky gives up the second most rush yards with 244.5 per game. Uh, Kamani Vidal, huge week one, 239 yards for Stephen F. Austin. Then he had 83 yards against Kansas State and only 27 last week. He's got 53 carries, so he's getting the volume, but he has no touchdowns. I think this is a get-right week for him. I'm starting Vidal. I'm starting. Uh, so I I looked at this this Coastal Carolina game against Georgia State. I said, how do I want to <laughs> plug into the passing offense here? I didn't want to say, you know, Pinkney and Jared Brown and Grace McCall. Like I I, I wanted to choose one. It was originally a leaning wide receiver, but I think ultimately I settled on Grayson McCall. Start Grayson McCall against Georgia State. Georgia State is 128th in the country in pass defense. He gave up a ton of yardage to Rhode Island a couple weeks ago. I mean, this isn't a a great pass defense. I do think that they can score enough to keep the game close where McCall is going to have to continue to pass. Um, So I like him uh, quite a bit this week here uh, after a disappointing opening few weeks. Yeah, I was I was strongly considering some options in the uh, Coastal Carolina passing attack. Um, did not ultimately choose them, but I like oh, that. You laughed. So I thought you you had uh, at least one of them. No, I, I really did consider it. Um, I am starting Harrison Whaley running back for Wyoming. Uh, they get Appalachian State this week. Uh, in Whaley's first game back last week against Texas, he went 18 for 110 and a touchdown. Uh, so that is very encouraging, but more encouraging is Wyoming's run game and how good they've been so far. They've been over 150 rush yards per game at every game this year. They've gone over 170 yards in two out of three. So their rushing attack has been pretty solid, even without Whaley. Uh, they get Whaley back, who's the best guy in that room. I think they're going to kind of feed him. And App State allows the 18th most rush yards per game in the country, the 179 per game. Uh, I feel feel pretty good about firing Whaley up. I am starting Eric McAllister, the aforementioned Boise State wide receiver against San Diego State. Uh, As I mentioned, 15, 7, and 8 targets through his three games. San Diego State is 123rd in the country in pass defense. This is not 
your dad's San Diego State that we usually think of as a pretty stout defense. They've really not offered much resistance even to Ohio is a good pass defense, but that's the kind of team that if you're a good defense, you should be able to stand up to. Uh, before Rourke went down, they did not. I, I think McAllister could have another uh, close to double-digit target week um, and, and get there uh, just based on that volume. Okay. Um, I am going to start Carter Bradley, quarterback for South Alabama. Uh, we talked a little bit about him when we talked about, or we talked a little bit about the South Alabama passing attack when we talked about uh, Colin Lacey. Uh, they did struggle a little bit to start the year, but they get Central Michigan this week. Central Michigan allows the second most pass yards in the or the most pass yards in the country, 371 per game, uh, which is insane. Um, so I think this is going to be a get right matchup for Bradley and that whole offense. Uh, I am Anthony against Cincy, Oklahoma receiver. Uh, Andrew Anthony has actually been the leading receiver so far for them, has the most targets on the year. Uh, I think this is a week where they're going to have to leave the offense in for more of the game as opposed to some of the matchups they've had so far this season. Um, and I think he'll be the leading beneficiary. Um, and uh, what was the – did we make a home field bet on on um, your guy, Farouk, 1,000 yards that we made? Uh, I don't know if we made a home field bet on it, but it sounds like it could have happened. Yeah, I think we did it because that was a pretty big debate for us at one point because I thought I thought you had him ranked too high. Mm-hmm. And have you dropped I, him at all? Yeah, yeah, I've dropped him uh, a decent amount. I don't have my rankings pulled up here in front of me, but I am worried about Farouk now. Now, he did uh, have a big game last week, yeah. of course, as he went off on my bench. Uh, I think Good as process. Good yeah. process. I think as they get into Big 12 play, we'll see some more uh, some more decent games out of Farouk. So I'm not ready to write him off yet, but he's not going to have the year that I thought he was going to have. Sure. Um, so I was too high on him. Uh, my next start is Jamal Bell, wide receiver for Nevada. That's another guy that we've talked about um, being somebody to add. So I think if he's available, um, especially in an unlimited league, I'm still adding him. Uh, but they get Texas State this week. Texas State uh, has one of the worst pass defenses in the country. Uh, ninth most pass yards allowed, 304 per game. Um, and Jamal Bell is, is that whole passing attack, really. 10 targets, 11 targets of two weeks before. Last week, he only had five targets. Uh, but I expect them to bounce back this week and have a, a ton of targets and, and maybe even get in the end zone finally. I'm starting Jake Bailey, SMU wide receiver, this week uh, against TCU. TCU's offense or defense, uh, passing defense, is not very good at all. Um, and Bailey has been SMU's leading receiver. He's been their leading target getter, uh, really between him and uh, uh, RJ Maryland. But I don't know exactly where his health is at going into this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just like him this week. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet this week, this year. I think he uh, gets his first one this week. Uh, that is another sore spot for me because I have a lot of uh, Jordan Curley, uh, who I thought was going to be the leading guy there. This Maybe is how all. I end up with like not full like Jamari Thrash shares because mm -hmm. I never want to like overinvest in one guy like 
like that. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you overinvested him. You said you have a lot of him. Yeah, that's that's. Kind I'll tell of you one guy I overinvested in is Lock, Justin Lockhart. Justin Lockhart. <laughs> I overinvested in him for sure. Who breaking news? All we've been doing this show, which just announced after the season. So. Yeah, so that hurts. That one hurts. Um, my next start is Elijah Gilliam, running back for Fresno State. Uh, he did get hurt in their game last week, but he did return in the fourth quarter. So I think he's going to be good to go. They get Kent State this week. Kent State allows the fifth most rush yards in the country, 221. Uh, Malik Sherrod really wasn't a factor until Gilliam went out. Uh, And Gilliam has 20, 20, and 18 carries in the three games so far this year. So it does seem like Gilliam is going to be the guy. uh, And this is a very soft matchup. So I'm firing up Gilliam. I like... I went I, I went deep for my starts this week, Colin. Just throwing that out there. I, I like Penny I did Boone. Too. Penny Boone. You did too. Penny Boone this week. Western okay. Michigan, the Toledo running back. Western Michigan sucks everything defensively. They're 96 yeah. in the country in both rush and pass defense, which I had to do a double take on to make sure I had that information correct. They just gave up 145 yards on 12 carries to LaShawn Williams. Uh, Boone has uh, been fairly effective this year overall. I had pretty much written him off. Um, he hasn't been like dominating their touches or anything. I mean, Finn's basically their starting running back, um, their, their quarterback there. But I, I like him this week in a game that I think game script goes in his favor, and I think it's such a weak defense that that he'll have a nice, uh, nice week. Okay, okay, I don't hate that. Um, speaking of teams that are just absolutely terrible defensively, I'm gonna play Zion Chris, quarterback for UL. Going up against Buffalo. Buffalo is a defense to target all year. And we may have to institute the Missouri rule from two years ago with Buffalo. Um, For anyone that doesn't know, you, you we weren't allowed <laughs> to say we were starting a running back against Missouri because their rush defense was so bad that they were giving up like 150 and three every week to the running back. And we're like, we yeah. can't, we just can't keep doing that. Yeah, we may have to institute that rule for Buffalo at some point because I started Caden Salter against uh, them last week, and look what he did. Uh, Buffalo allows the third most total yards allowed. They allow the fourth most rush yards, the 16th most pass yards. They allow a ton of points against. Uh, They allowed 410 total yards and six touchdowns to Salter last week. Um, Chris... 14 of 20 for 174 and a touchdown last week, but then he also had two touchdowns and 100 yards on the ground. I think he's just going to shred Buffalo. So if he's on your waiver wire and you're picking him up, you're starting him this week. Oh, okay, Mr. Better and Best Ball over here. (laughs) I still think he's better in best ball, but this is going to be one of those weeks where you want to start him. I'm starting. It's the only time I'm doing this this week. JT Daniels and Luke McCaffrey. Daniels has been really, really good lately. Um, Last week, they they yanked him. I'm pretty sure earlier they just wanted to like saving mode because he ended up with almost 300 yards, I believe, on not a ton of passes. Um, So I I like them both against the USF this week, who has not been great defensively, and McCaffrey. It was weird because he didn't get a ton of volume, but he still got a touchdown. Like he still, he was like four catches for thirty yards and a touchdown or something like that. Two for um, fifty and a touchdown. Oh, two. I was close. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, on five targets. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think on a normal week where they both play the full range of yeah. the game, that uh, they he would have gotten there last week, and I said start him last week, which which didn't work out. But 
Um, so starting this week. Yeah, I have start Luke McCaffrey as well. Um, just given we, we said to start him last week, it didn't work out. They blew out Texas Southern. Uh, this is supposed to be a closer game. Rice is a two and a half point favorite against USF. USF allows the 21st most pass yards in uh, the country at 272.3. So I'm starting Luke McCaffrey, but I'm going to piggyback off of you and say JT Daniels and Luke McCaffrey. Okay. Uh, make it a little bit more fair, a um, little bit more interesting. Because okay. okay. I do think Luke McCaffrey is probably, he wasn't a hit last week. So that's why I considered him not too obvious this week. But um, I, I, if you're going to go with McCaffrey and Daniels, I feel a little dirty not doing it. Fair enough. I am starting Colin Jaquavius Marks this week. Ooh, South okay. Carolina has not been particularly good against the run this year. They're 87th in the country. Marks has seen at least four targets in each game, which I think gives him a really nice floor. Um, and I think, you know, even though it wasn't a great performance last week, they were pretty outmatched there against LSU, but he, he'll bounce back this week. Okay. I'm starting somebody on the other side of that matchup. Oh. Uh, Xavier Leggett, wide receiver for South Carolina. Um, look, Antoine Wells's foot injury is definitely a big factor here. I would be surprised if he plays next week um, against Mississippi State. So Leggett's going to be the number one option in that pass offense. Mississippi State is a soft pass defense. They allow the 17th most pass yards in the country at 277.3. This feels like a week where, similar to Chris, you pick up Leggett and you fire him into your lineup. Uh, yeah, I'm also starting Xavier Leggett, and I did just put as another emphasis on it that we saw what Malik Neighbors was able to do against yes. them, especially deep downfield last week, and I think that's kind of where you can use Leggett. All right. Uh, my next start is Hudson Card, quarterback for Purdue. Uh, they get Wisconsin this week. Wisconsin has a pretty soft pass defense, contrary to what we're typically used to with, with Wisconsin, their pass defense, they allow 20th most yards in the country, 276 per game. Uh, and Hudson card, the volume has been there for him 30, 34 and 46 pass attempts in the last three weeks. But he only has three touchdowns passing. Um, so I think he's going to get right here in this one. Uh, the volumes there. Now we're going to get the rest of the stat line to come with it against a soft defense. I'm starting uh, Jordan Waters, you, uh, the uh, Duke running back against UConn. UConn is 116th in the country in rush defense. My one worry with Waters, he's he's been producing regardless, but he only hasn't received more than 11 carries in a single game this year. But I think not only does I, th- I think he's a start this week, but I think he goes over that this week. I think he gets more than 11 carries against UConn. I also have Jordan Waters as a start. Yeah, UConn allows 179 rush yards against per game, 17th most in the country, or 116th worst, depending on how you rank it. Uh, Glass half full, Colin. (laughs) You are. I'm glass half empty. That's okay. I think people knew this. Um, And you you touched on his limited carries, and that's definitely a concern of mine as well. But he has averaged 5.7, 10.2, and 6.5 yards per carry. 5.7 was against Clemson. And he has five touchdowns in three games. So he's been hyper-efficient. And I think he's going to start to see more work uh, in this one. The only concern is a potential blowout because Duke has looked good. Um, but I, I think that if they're going to blow him out, Jordan Waters is going to have a, a nice role in that. So I'm, I'm starting Waters as well. 
I'm starting uh, my last guy here, TJ Finley versus Nevada. I is that not deep enough? Are people regularly starting TJ Finley? I mean, I I would, but go ahead, go ahead. It's okay. You 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 shot a lot of them from deep. That's fine. You need a layup. You got to catch up somehow. It's okay. All right. I don't feel bad for this. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Daniels threw for just short of 300 yards last week, but no touchdowns. Giovanni McCoy threw for 313 and two the week before that for Idaho. Caleb Williams had 319 and five the week before that. Finley coming off 17 for 21 for 251 yards and three touchdown performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think TJ Finley's a decent chance he's the highest scoring quarterback in college fantasy this week. Except for Zion Chris. But <laughs> Except for Zion Chris. I think and I obviously Grayson too. McCall, too. And Carter Bradley. You know, he's going to be the fourth yeah. highest scoring quarterback. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, name, all right. Your, name your 10 real quick, Colin. Yeah. Yeah, so I have Kamani Vidal running back Troy, Harrison Whaley running back Wyoming, Carter Bradley quarterback South Alabama, Jamal Bell wide receiver Nevada, Elijah Gilliam running back Fresno State, Zion Chris uh, QB for Louisiana, Xavier Leggett wide receiver South Carolina, Hudson Card quarterback Purdue, Jordan Waters running back Duke, and JT Daniels and Luke McCaffrey QB wide receiver duo from Rice. All right, and I have Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina QB, Eric McAllister, wide receiver Boise State, Andrew Anthony, wide receiver at Oklahoma, Jake Bailey, wide receiver at SMU, Penny Boone, running back Toledo, JT Daniels slash Luke McCaffrey Rice, uh, Joquavis Marks, running back at Mississippi State, Xavier Leggett, wide receiver at South Carolina, TJ Finley, quarterback Texas State, and Jordan Waters, Duke, running back. All right, into the sits. I'm gonna start this off. I'm sitting Trey Benson, and I'm probably sitting Trey Benson further notice. Not getting any receiving work this year, only three targets through three games. He's had no more than 12 carries in any game so far and hasn't cracked 80 yards yet. Clemson's giving up fewer than 100 yards per game on the ground. Sorry, Benson. I I, uh, I think maybe we were right about you. Uh, I think you were a little overhyped this offseason. So you're sitting until further notice. Yeah, I am also uh, sitting Trey Benson as well. And um, shout out to Luke uh, Probasco, who we had on the show. I believe he said Trey Benson was somebody who was going to hurt himself uh, this year. Um, But yeah, that's a he has not been getting the workload. 12, 9 and 14 carries. He hasn't been getting the receiving work. Um, they go Clemson. Clemson's got a solid rush defense, 35th in the country, 98 rush yards allowed per game. So I'm also sitting Benson. Next up for me, I am sitting uh, Phil Jerkovic. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just sick of it. So Purdue might also, or uh, Pitt, Pitt might also be sitting him. They really should. Um, he stinks. Um, let's see here. Christian Bayou isn't terrible. He can't be any worse than Jerkovic. Yeah. They, they've tried to simplify this offense as much as they can. He just is terrible. He's terrible. Uh, I'm sitting RJ Harvey this week in all seriousness. Kansas State, fourth in the country in rush defense. You also have Harvey. I can tell by that yep. smile <laughs> on your face. And no John Reese Plumlee. So I don't think they need to respect Harvey too much. So, Yeah, um, K-State allows the fourth least, uh, fourth fewest rush yards per game, 50 yards. Uh, and they've spread out the carries a little bit here. Um, Harvey had 14 last week. McDonald had 12. Richardson had 10. 
Um, so I, I think this is just kind of going to be a committee. It's going to be a little bit frustrating. But like you said, without John Reese Plumley against K-State, that's going to be a tough one. How about Blake Watson against Missouri? You got that one? Nope. No. Uh, I wrote about Blake Watson last week as like a really sneaky buy because he'd been productive and his playoff schedule this year is really, really weak uh, on the uh, the collective podcast feed. Um, and then he went and had a huge game in this one. Um, I think, you know, the rest of the season, I still like him a lot, but uh, I can't, can't trust him here against Missouri, who's been a top 20 rush defense this season. Uh, yeah, contrary to uh, the other year uh, where they were a sieve on the ground. Yeah, I they, they've been they were pretty impressive. I mean, nice win for them this week. Um, yeah, against Kansas State, it was, it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, well, it was a sixty-one yarder. We considered the kicker for we did. the of the week. Yeah, Chris we Moxley mentioned it. If you could guess who nominated him, wow, I'm shocked. He probably nominated a tight end and a kicker, didn't he? Uh, defensive player and a kicker. This Chris Moxley guy, man, he just yeah. grinds my gears. Yeah, and um, Felix no- nominated Johnny Newton too. <laughs> Uh, which hurt me a little bit, uh, just given the, the the way that he dominated Penn State's uh, offensive line. That's not good. Um, I am sitting Lejonte Wester, wide receiver for FAU. Uh, they go up against Illinois this week. Illinois' defense isn't quite what it was last year, but I, their pass rush was really getting home against um, uh, Penn State, and the way that they have. Uh, I, th- I think they're just they're just going to be too good for FAU. Casey Thompson's also out for the year as yeah. well. They'll have Daniel Richardson as the starter. He went 18 for 32 for 120, no touchdowns, two picks, and a 3.8 yards per attempt last week. Um, I I have a hard time trusting Wester until we see this. What Same, this which like. is a which is a bummer because I thought Wester would be a really nice kind of uh, cheap long term uh, rest of season play. I also have Wester. Uh, for what it's worth. And I Man. said start him last week and it hit, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, can't, Man. Can't, can't do it now. We had a lot of the same early. Yeah, here. this was kind of, I feel like the the non-obvious names were obvious. Is that Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think the end of our list are going to differ here though. Got your, um, your backup. Oh, uh, my next sit is Jaquindon Jackson running back for Utah, and I am sitting him until further noticed. I think when Cam Rising comes back, that might help him. But right now, Nate Johnson's siphoning off some rushing yards. Jalen Glover seems to be getting some goal line work, which is super frustrating. Um, so the volume isn't necessarily there that you want to see it at Jackson. And they get UCLA this week, who allows the 13th fewest rush yards per game at 69.7. I think overall, it's going to be a low scoring game. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting Jackson. Uh, next up for me, I'm sitting Drew Alar again. And I almost put a, uh, I almost started off the panic session too with Drew Alar. Cause I think he's quite frankly, not been very good at all this year. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I think he's not been good. And I think Iowa is a tough matchup for him. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think he, I wouldn't say he hasn't been, I wouldn't say he's been bad, but he has not looked quite as good as we uh, would have hoped. That pressure last week really, really got to him. Um, so we'll see how the offensive line holds up here against Iowa. I will be at that game in person. So hope they lose. Thanks. Uh, my next sit is Corey Kiner running back for Cincy. Uh, last week, 
he had only had 14 carries. Uh, Ryan Montgomery had 20, and Emory Jones had 20 as well in a game that went to overtime. So it's not like they blew them out. Um, they ended up losing that game to Miami of Ohio. So I don't know what happened to his workload all of a sudden. Now they're spreading it all out. It's pretty unpredictable. But they get Oklahoma in this one. Oklahoma allows the 16th fewest rush yards uh, in the country at 78.7. So I, you can't trust Corey Kiner in this matchup at all. I have Xavier Henderson, actually, uh, from this game. Um, I I still think, man, I mean, the targets have been there 23 through three weeks. But when he played that one legit defense, now Grant, Pitt, Pitt's one and two, okay? Like, whatever. Pitt's not as good as I thought they were going to be this year, but they're a pretty damn good pass defense, and he didn't did nothing. And I think Oklahoma is not as good of a pass defense, but they're pretty solid. I think he'll uh, struggle pretty heavily in this one. Uh, my next sit is Xavier Worthy, wide receiver, Texas, uh, going up against Baylor. Uh, he hasn't gone over 20 fantasy points yet this year. He's been fairly close, 17, 18, and 18. Um, and he can definitely get this on one play. But this Texas passing attack, unless they're going up against Alabama, they haven't looked that great. Quinn Ewers still kind of struggles to connect with Worthy. Uh, over the top and Worthy can't seem to hang on to the ball either. Uh, Baylor has the 107th. They allow 107th. I said that backwards. They allow 107. You've been phrasing it weird all night for the record. I have been. They allow 170 rush yards per game. They're a sieve on the ground. They're 19th in pass yards, 163.7. So they allow more rush yards and pass yards. I think Texas can just establish the run run all over them they're not going to need worthy too much in this one so i'm sitting worthy colin you can call me a coward i didn't have the balls to do the player that i wanted to here so You're i'm gonna say sick kyle mccord versus notre dame i'm still not convinced that this passing attack has really figured it out but who i really wanted i really wanted to say mecca buka but i'm not going to i'm gonna say i'm gonna say sick kyle mccord this week i strongly considered a buka as well um, I did sit somebody in this matchup. I'm sitting Travion. Travion. You said start him last week and it worked out. I did. Yeah. Started him last week. It was a soft matchup. This is a tough matchup. Uh, Notre Dame allows the fourth fewest rush yards per game with 126.8. Um, and mine Williams wasn't a huge factor last week, but it was also a blowout. But I do think this is still, still a committee. Travion hasn't quite seized the role. Um, so I'm going to sit. Uh, Travion on this one. I'm sitting the UCLA running backs this week against Utah. Um, going into Utah, tough place to play. That defensive line's been pretty good against the run so far this year. Um, I, I think uh, the whole, I think UCLA as a whole is going to struggle a little bit offensively. I think this is kind of going to be the welcome to the show type game for Dante Moore. I don't think he's going to be awful, but I think he'll struggle a little bit, as will the whole offense. I almost said sit all the running backs in that game when I said um, mm. Jaquindon Jackson, but I didn't have the the balls to do that, so I just stuck with Jaquindon. No balls. Um, my next sit is Jace McClellan, running back for Alabama. Um, he just he hasn't been very good. Ten carries, twelve carries, thirteen carries the last three weeks. Um, nine point nine, six point seven, and nine fantasy points. Uh, I'm done with McClellan for fantasy for now. I still think there's some NFL potential there. I, I'm not ready to quite rule that out yet, although maybe not quite as high as we were thinking at the start of the year. 
Uh, but Bama's just been pretty bad for fantasy purposes so far. So until we see what this offense actually shapes up into, I think Bama's going to win some ugly games when they win. Uh, they get Ole Miss this week. Uh, this could get ugly potentially, but I don't think McClellan's going to factor in. So I'm sitting him. I'm sitting LJ Martin this week. I know he had a pretty nice week last week. And I know Kansas is kind of in middle of the road against the run, about 120 uh, yards per game on the ground overall. Martin looks like he seized that role for BYU. Um, but I, I think this is a, little, a, a bit of a tough spot. I think Kansas overall generally has been pretty solid uh, against the run. I, I kind of don't like this matchup for BYU overall. Um, so I, I'm sitting LJ Martin this week. It's another one I considered. Um, he hurt me last week because I said sit both of those running backs. Yeah. Um, but so I, so I couldn't go back to that well, but I considered it. Uh, I'm sitting Kavorian Barnes running back for UTSA. Uh, he only had nine carries last week. Uh, they didn't really run the ball much last week. He still led the team, but the next closest um, Griffin had seven. Uh, I'm pretty worried about this offense without Frank Harris. They have not looked particularly good. Uh, they get Tennessee. I think game script's going to get out of hand in this one. I think Tennessee's going to be pissed coming off of that loss uh, against Florida. Um, so I, I could see Tennessee's passing attack maybe start to put it together in this one. Uh, but I'm not starting Barnes. Uh, yeah, I also have Barnes. So, and that was my last one. Okay. My last one is Chevin Cordero, quarterback for San Jose State. Uh, they go up against Air Force. Uh, Air Force has a pretty solid pass defense. Uh, they have sixth fewest yards in the country at 135 per game. And Chevin Cordero has been so up and down. Um, 25 fantasy points, seven. 24, nine. Theoretically, this should be his net, his bounce back game here. Um but he hasn't thrown for more than 230 pass yards in a single game yet this year. That offense is really struggling. I think they've had some rough, they've had some rough matchups, USC, um, Oregon state Toledo's no cake walk. Um, so I think they, maybe they get it right later on, but I'm not starting him at this point. All right, let's name these sits and let's get out of here. Colin, my 10 are Trey Benson, Florida State running back, RJ Harvey running back at UCF, Blake Watson running back at Memphis. I'm sitting a lot of running backs this week, but I'll just leave that spot blank on my lineup. I was sitting running backs too. I have a lot of them. It's a it's bad a tough running week. back year, man. Yeah. LeJonte Wester, wide receiver at FAU, Drew Alar, quarterback at Penn State, Xavier Henderson, wide receiver at Cincy, Kyle McCord, quarterback uh, Ohio State, both the UCLA running backs, uh, LJ Martin. Uh, running back BYU and Kavorian Barnes running back UTSA. I am sitting RJ Harvey running back UCF, LeJounte Wester wide receiver FAU, Jaquindon Jackson running back Utah, Corey Kiner running back Cincy, Xavier Worthy wide receiver ten Texas, Travion Henderson running back Ohio State, Jace McClellan running back Alabama, Kavorian Barnes running back UTSA, Trey Benson running back Florida State and Chevin Cordero, quarterback, San Jose State. All right. That is going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Uh, make sure you're checking on all the other shows here on the network and everything over on the YouTube page. We will be back next week with another episode of Campus Life. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.